0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Championship Weekend. What's up? Good morning. It's Friday, December 3rd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Very excited about our guest today. It's Chip Patterson, the host of the Cover 3 podcast on CBS Sports. Chip was awesome, very generous with with his time. We did a full 30 minutes. He made some fun CBS noises and other jingles. And it's really hilarious. So much funnier than me. I almost felt like I had a imposter syndrome talking to him, but uh, it, it's good stuff. I think you're going to enjoy it. We'll get to that in just a second. Before we get to Chip, I'm going to give out three quick picks. We've been pretty good this year on the College Football Daily. 25 and 14 against the spread. I wish I'd been betting big money on all of those games. Instead, I get suckered into doing stupid live bets at halftime that, that always lose me money. So 25 and 14, we're going to try to improve on that this weekend. Going to give out three picks and then we're going to talk to Chip about every other game. I've got Michigan minus 11. I've got Baylor plus five and a half. And I've got Georgia minus six and a half. Those are my locks. Lock them up. Here's Chip Patterson. Very excited for Chip Patterson to join us right now. Chip, thanks a lot. So uh, I need some help here. I- I've got some friends who have been hitting me up saying I'm a little bit more interested in the coaching carousel and the transfer portal than I am conference championship weekends. And then there's like this lack of brand name teams here. You know, no Oklahoma, no Clemson, obviously no North Carolina, or you know even like a Miami. And then this Alabama Georgia game. A lot of people think this is the worst Alabama team in, in quite some time. So. Before we kind of run through them all, I'd love to know if, if there's a conference championship game that you're just absolutely jonesing for and cannot wait to watch.
0: Oh, come on as a good company man and a Viacom CBS stockholder, got to tell you that that But actually the what you just said about Alabama <laughs> would be the argument for why it's the most intriguing. The idea that this team that has been such a a ghost for Georgia. The idea that they look as vulnerable as they've been and Georgia looks as strongest as it's been under Kirby Smart. Georgia fans being confident is the most terrifying thing that any Georgia fan can feel. I am fascinated by how this plays out. I think the best quarterback on the field plays for Alabama. And I think that while eight of the 10 best defenders probably play for Georgia, there's one or two Alabama players that are going to deserve a spot there too, and plenty of talent across the board. But there's just so much emotion packed into that one uh, at the same time you're gonna need your split screen experience uh, because you know we've got Cincinnati, playing with all of the the lemon booty that you could imagine being in the top four, trying to finally break through. And then like sort of as the day unfolds, like noon slates probably more of like set the dominoes in order, but then to be able to go into uh Michigan, Iowa understanding the stakes is is a, a nice way for the championship game to unfold. The other piece of this that I would add is that in the college football playoff era, we haven't yet gotten the chaos. Like remember back in the BCS era, you would have conference oh, yeah. championship days where, you know, there for Second, Kansas State's in the mix. And, you know, for a second, like all these different results have to happen perfectly. And in the playoff era, for the most part, conference championship games have not given us huge wrinkles. The best thing I could think of, or the closest thing I could think of, was there was a Utah team that was number five that might have been able to jump up based on the results of the Saturday games, but then they ended up losing to Oregon and Mm -hmm. falling out of contention. But really, um, that's the other storyline that I'm watching is throughout the playoff era, mostly it's been chalk as expected type results. So is this year where we've had insanity across the board and we do have all these newcomers that aren't used to this position, as you mentioned, will that trend continue?
1: Like we've been loving all the parody and all the all the newcomer teams, and then now it. it so that's what I say to the people who are like, "eh, it's not going to be that great of a week." And I'm like, "What? Are you, aren't you glad Ohio State's not in it?" So, Shiv, let, let's 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 start with with Friday. Uh, we don't need to like break these these down like the the way you do in depth on the cover three. And I haven't heard the early edge drop yet as we sit here recording Thursday, but I've been loving the hour long episodes you've been doing. <laughs> Western Kentucky at UTSA. I don't know about you, man. I've got UTSA covering three loud Alamo dome. You got to read on that one. Yeah, I like
0: the. Western Kentucky, a.k.a. the Houston Baptist Hilltoppers, who not yep. only brought in Bailey Zappi, but the offense and uh, you know just basically adopting it. I think that the fact that it, they've been playing better football down the stretch shouldn't come as a surprise. It's like first-year head coaches. It's like first-year coordinators, first-year starters. You actually get some game reps, and you're going to be playing better. I thought that in the first game that UTSA won, Western Kentucky played well enough to win made a couple mistakes. UTSA was able to take advantage. And and I think that UTSA, on the other hand, last two times out, obviously we're going to pay attention to the loss to North Texas, but really for the last two to three games, been kind of limping to the finish line. My my read on it would be to take the hotter team and and jump on Western Kentucky, but I did not drop it as a lock on the Cover 3 podcast. I I like the game a lot. Also, we should mention on the Mothership CBS Sports Network. You know, watch it on the CBS Sports app. We'll have Rich Waltz, Aaron Taylor, and Jenny Dale taking care of you down in the Alamo Dome. But I, I love this game more than I have a great feel for it. It's important to me because Jeff Trailer was like such a fun character. Barton first turned to be on to Jeff Trailer. You know, when, when he got out at his introductory press conference, Jeff Trailer was like, can I recruit? Hell yeah, I can recruit. Look at my wife, hot as fish grease. And so ever since then, I've been saying hot as fish grease whenever we talk about the Roadrunners. I mean, much love to meep meep and all that. But I think Jeff Trailer has really put his personality in this team, the way that they want to be able to, you know, control the line of scrimmage with the offensive line, sincere McCormick really get things going. I, I think that this is going to be a tough and competitive game, but I, I lean more on the Western Kentucky side, just again, because you were all new offense, all new quarterback, all that at the beginning of the year, they've been playing better near the end of the year.
1: Yeah. I should clarify Western Kentucky favored by three. Uh, I don't think I was very clear there. Uh, I like it though, you know, go with the hot team, but I'm going to go UTSA Friday night, 7 PM central. So that's what is that? Eight. Five o'clock out. Eighties, eight yeah. five out in Vegas. Number ten, Oregon verse number seventeen, Utah. This is this has been a tough one for me. Utah is a three-point favorite. Last time I looked, Chip. What is your read on this? Uh, and and I'll follow you with mine.
0: I think that it's a game where both of these coaches don't want to make mistakes. Both these games want to try to, you know, win with defense and win the line of scrimmage, play a very, very physical game. You know, Mario Cristobal and Kyle Whittingham, like they, they are not going to play a game that is going to script out the way that U- Utah's early lead was against Oregon. And I understand that establishing that early lead is going to have some impact on the results, but dive back into that box score. It wasn't like Utah blew them out on a down to down basis. Close competitive game, low scoring. My betting angle is to go first half under, especially neutral field. They're feeling each other out. Neither quarterback is going to be asked to uh, make a tough throw on third and long. They're more than happy to play field position with how good these two defenses are. But I think that if I'm going to have to pick between Cam Rising and Anthony Brown in the fourth quarter of a close game, I wouldn't be surprised if the Ducks get them uh, with a little bit of revenge on this one. But I feel much less confident about the side than I do about the total. Where I would attack full game, and then my my strongest play is to go first half under for that sort of neutral field heavyweight style. Don't make a mistake. You're going to sweat it if we get a special teams touchdown. And I understand that we Utah special teams can put seven on the board, but I
1: I think that that's how I'm looking at it from. The picks perspective. Yeah, Utah goes on those long drives. I kind of think you were just a little disrespectful to Cam Rising. I I I, I think he's a better quarterback than Anthony Brown. Uh, I'm wondering which Anthony Brown shows up. He had his worst game sure. of the season in that 38-7 loss to Utah Then his best game of the season. A nice win last week over Oregon State. I asked our uh, Oregon guy, Matt Prim, and Sure. Like he could, he could be a homer. He might be. Um, I said, am I crazy for going Utah here or going to Oregon here? He goes, no, not at all. Utah played its best game in like four years and Oregon played its worst game in five years on that, on that field two weeks ago. And both of those things happened at the same time. So calling it a little bit fluky, he's going to Oregon. I think I am too. Um, Saturday morning Baylor versus Oklahoma state. I think this is our ultimate game of, um, total parody in college football, that Baylor can bounce back from last season's abysmal year, two years removed from Matt Matt Rule leaving. You would never think Baylor's the kind of program that can get to two conference championship games in three years, despite changing head coaches and quarterbacks. But here they are. It's been a really great story. It's going to be tough for them, though. Uh, I don't think starting quarterback uh, Gary Bohannon is going to play. And and meanwhile, Oklahoma State is on a college football playoff warpath. Chip, what's your read on this?
0: You know, you can really correct things if you get Larry Fedora out the paint.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I point to that is every time someone says a first year coach can't change coordinators after one season, I point to that.
0: Yeah, no, Dave Aranda looked down the line. He said, it's not working. And not only that, but then he went and made one of the best OC hires of last offseason, getting Jeff Grimes in. Baylor currently toting the 30th most explosive offense in the country. Uh, Oklahoma State down around 110. This is a fascinating uh, mix because I think Oklahoma State's defense is slightly better than Baylor's defense, but I find myself impressed with Baylor's defense. Baylor seems to be this group that is all Always in the right place at the right time. Their blitzes always seem to have perfect timing. Their height, weight, size, and speed are not all that impressive. Their prospect rankings are not all that impressive. But damn, it's just like sometimes we get so spoiled, especially those of us who are always looking at the, you know, the talent and and the pipelines and, and the way that you build classes on top of each other, player development. Sometimes you just catch just a really good football team. Like I'm just like, man. Baylor's just doing stuff right. It takes a lot of execution, communication, good coaching, be able to get 11 people to move in sync without having somebody mess it up. And Baylor does a really good job of not messing it up. I am concerned about the quarterback position for sure. But I think Oklahoma State, of all the conference championship favorites at the Power 5 level, is the most susceptible to get knocked off right here and actually to hijack college football daily because we're in this open space. You tell me, from your experience as a Texas fan... How we how are we feeling right now, just in general?
1: Like about these two teams being in the Big 12 title game, the yeah. year the last year, of Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. I think it's pretty I think it's pretty hilarious. I think it's also shocking. Uh, you you brought Barton Simmons up. Last year he was all in on Oklahoma State. And he missed and it. That didn't, I, it, he <laughs> missed. But this <laughs> and, and I've talked to Mike Gundy before about this. And he's like, Look, every three to four years, we're gonna be good because we get a veteran team with a veteran quarterback. And now it's supposed to be 2020. And now it's 2021, and I'm not even going to like say it's a COVID waiver situation because Spencer Sanders was, was going to always be coming back, and their best defender might be a true freshman defensive end. It's, it's totally remarkable that, that he's done this with defense. My, my read on this, knowing the Big 12, for Oklahoma State to win Bedlam, and, and I guess we'll get to this with Michigan, Iowa in a little bit, but the hangover is going to be immense here. So someone expecting them to win by 20 is going to be a little bit off. On Saturday morning, I think they're also going to be a little bit nervous. I heard this point on an earlier podcast. I think it was cover three. I I forget. I I like listened through all of them late at night. Like this is the big game of Saturday morning. Like they all know that people are watching and I think Spencer Sanders, because of that might be liable for maybe even two interceptions. Um, If if someone had a prop on that, I would take over one and a half. So I've got Oklahoma state winning, but I've got Baylor covering five and a half chip. And uh, I kind of feel pretty good about it. I mean, in Um, any situation,
0: like in, in a vacuum, Oklahoma state doesn't blow teams out. It's just not sort of the way they handle business, especially at least against quality teams. And I do consider Baylor a quality team.
1: Oh yeah, and, and look like Baylor's. This is their third-string quarterback because they had one guy enter the portal, and Blake Shapin, like Jim Knowles, the Oklahoma State defensive coordinator, will have more film on him. I don't think he's going to dice them apart, but I don't think Oklahoma State's going to try to win this game by by twenty. I think they're just going to be happy to win it and, and maybe get to the playoff too. All right, a lot of a lot of G five championships here. Look, we're short on time. We're not going to like pick these. We're not going to discuss them. But I, I, I'll let you if you have a, a team you think wins between Kent State and Northern Illinois in the MAC title game. I think it's Kent State. Do you agree or disagree?
0: Kent State plays with pace. And because you're on uh, the Detroit Lions Stadium, teams that play with pace are going to have a little bit more of an advantage than they would if they had to, for example, play in DeKalb, Illinois.
1: Utah State for San Diego State, uh, Mountain West. Who's your winner there?
0: San Diego State, uh, Utah State's defense is not quite good. Like it's the the strength and the strength and the weakness and the weakness. Where San Diego State doesn't light it up, but Utah State's defense is a little bit leaky. Uh, Utah State's offense can, you know, when everything gets clicking and they're not turning the ball over, be impressive. But San Diego State's got the best defense in the Mountain West. If you want to go under. San Diego State Mm -hmm. Unders have been a bag that are just absolutely beautiful. And if this thing gets to seven for whatever reason, I don't think it will. But then playing the Aggies uh, would maybe even be a principle just to sign up for the ride.
1: Yeah, I like that. Sunbelt, Appalachian State at Louisiana. Are you buying the Louisiana distracted by Billy Napier situation?
0: No, I think that App's been the better team over the last month. Louisiana clinched this division. Like, seriously, if you look at the Sunbelt West, it is a hilarious standings to pull up because I think the second place team is a sub 500 record in conference play. And so they've just like had this thing wrapped and kind of been playing out the string. Uh, App has been really beaten up on teams. Some of them and Bud Elliott did a good job. Of mentioning this, they have had one of those funny schedules where a bunch of the teams that they've played have been either right before or right after a a coach got fired. So maybe you want to like not put a ton of stock into that. But I think that App State has been playing better than Louisiana over the last month or so. That maybe matters more to me than being distracted. But 41 to 13, that result earlier this season on this very field cannot be ignored. I looked at this one and I said that uh, my favorite betting play is to take the under because you've got the rematch, you've got familiar opponents. They've been competing at the top of the conference for three years now. And so uh, all of that sort of has a, a lot of knowledge. I could see it being the Spider-Man meme type stalemate rock fight. So you got App State? I think App State wins. Best, okay. best betting play would be uh, to take
1: the under. All right. Last one. I feel bad throwing this into the G5 bucket. Very good Houston team. At an incredible Cincinnati uh, team, Bearcats are ten and a half point favorites. I like them to cover that. I think they're going to be a little bit galvanized by the fact that Fickle's stain. That we think. I mean, I hope that this thing. We don't wrap this up, and then Thursday night, Oklahoma names Luke Fickle as its head coach in waiting or something. But I, I like Cincinnati please, here.
0: Please no, please. <laughs> We've done thirty podcasts in thirty two days. The
1: old emergency and podcast. Of, one situation. of
0: those days was Thanksgiving. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, it's it's and once you do one. You're kind of on the hook for all of them. I kind of told our producer, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with the emergency pods. <laughs> the recruiting guys can do it. The
0: I think that I want I want this to either be Cincinnati blowout or Houston straight up. I don't want to have to like nitpick this game. I don't want to have to like be splitting hairs on whether the win had enough style points. I think that because it's in Nippert Stadium where Desmond Ritter has never lost as a starting quarterback, I think that because Cincinnati, after playing with its food for a couple of those games, the Tulsa game, the Navy game, Tulane, SMU and ECU kind of seemed like they snapped everything back, held those leads from start to finish, or did a little bit more, better job taking care of business. I'm always going to go for like the psychological, emotional side of this. It has to be exhausting being a Cincinnati football player and just carrying this weight, not just from this year, but dating all the way back to last season. You're playing all these teams that you should beat and you're still going out there and doing it. I think that seeing the finish line and being right here, my hunch is Cincinnati wins, Cincinnati wins big. If it's close... Again, I would just rather have Dana be like pew, 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 pew and just like snatch souls, double down and like see if he can parlay it into the Oklahoma job, you know, but that's,
1: that's what I want is either like Houston money line or Cincinnati lay the 11. Yeah. No one has talked enough about Houston this year, but we'll, we'll get maybe, maybe over the off season, uh, the, the one you're most excited about Georgia versus Alabama four o'clock Eastern on CBS. Look, I feel like it's a gift from the betting gods for Alabama to be nearly a touchdown underdog, but I'm still going Georgia. Alabama is down to one scholarship running back if Brian Robinson does not play. Their offensive line has not been good. I'm not saying Georgia blows Alabama out, but I think and and given the history of these two teams, I don't think Kirby Smart's going to feel bad at, or about anything if he has to go for a, a two touchdown or a three touchdown lead at some point in the fourth quarter. So motivation wise, I feel good about them trying to at least cover the touchdown. What's your read on that?
0: I remember being really close to an Alabama program uh, a couple years ago and the the word uh, going into the next game I was about to cover was, you know, we've we've never been this banged up. You know, we're so thin, we're going to have to rely on freshmen. We're, we're you know, we I really am surprised that we got here. That game was the National Championship game against Georgia, and they still found a way to pull that one out. I think it is surprising. That the tide, not the tide, sorry, that's that, that all of the like momentum, all of the public consensus, all the experts are very, very confident that Georgia is going to win this game. And there seems to be very, very little given to the chances that Alabama wins this game when I think Alabama has the best quarterback on the field. And like I said earlier, I think that Alabama's got enough really, 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 Will Anderson obviously you know, being right up there, but enough really, really good defensive talent that when the Alabama defenders are saying in media availability this week, we think we can turn them one-dimensional and we think we can win that way. If they make Stetson Bennett beat them, Mm mm-hmm. There's some recipes here. So you mentioned Alabama as an underdog. First time Alabama been an underdog since 2015. That 2015 game when Alabama was an underdog was against Georgia in Athens. In and the ring. Yeah, they beat them by 28. They beat them 38 to 10. Team was preseason top 10. Georgia finishes the season unranked. Mark Richt is out. Georgia, obviously... The national championship game, the SEC championship game, holding the lead early on in the stages of those that 2020 game. I've just seen this movie too many times to believe so confidently. But here's what I'll say: because the head, the numbers, everything sensible, college football is not sensible. But everything sensible says that Georgia's going to win this game, and this is the true breakthrough. It would fall in line with what we've seen with Oklahoma State beating Oklahoma. It would fall in line with what we've seen with Michigan beating Ohio State, and it would add to what I think is a mystique busting season for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm not going to be one of these jerks that writes a column about how the dynasty is over because the machine is going to keep recruiting. The team is going to keep competing for national championships. And Alabama will still be at the top of the sport as long as Nick Saban is there. But to be undefeated against your former assistants, then have Jimbo Fisher do it and Kirby Smart do it. And to have it be Georgia, the mystique, you know that extra stuff that's around, this would be it. The 2021 season would be when the mystique was wiped away. And it's a little bit, that's good for those people who would like to see the SEC, not just be you know, Alabama and everybody else. Because Texas A&M and Georgia, we would view them based on resources and coaching as the two strongest competitors to Alabama. And so this is a a turning point. Either Alabama snatches it back and everyone's like, oh my gosh, what were we thinking? Mm -hmm. Or Georgia wins this thing and we're like, well, this is a new era of SEC football.
1: Yeah, I thought we were going to get that new era, to your point, like four years ago, man, um, and, and then two it at Avante Smith. But I, I thought Georgia was positioned to be the Yankees of the SEC.
0: I was just going to say like 16-yard loss on a sack that moves them out of field goal range. Again, I was, in the, I was in that stadium. I covered that game. It was just like the Georgia fans were crying and hugging at halftime. They thought it was their moment. And that Alabama team was so banged up that freshman Alex Leatherwood had to come in for Jonah Williams. Damian Harris wasn't in the game. Josh Jacobs wasn't in the game. It was Najee Harris in the game. You know, obviously Devonta Smith, Jerry Judy, like they just they went all, to those all receivers, man. Range.
1: All those, <laughs> all the, I, I drew a parallel uh, in Slack. I didn't want to do it on Twitter because I'm a little bit too hyperbolic there, anyway. But the Jakory Brooks catch against Auburn, I was like, could that be a Devonte Smith moment where you make this really clutch clutch play? and and you kind of signal yourself as the next next great Alabama receiver we'll see uh, you're the you're I the ACC Pitt. guy i, I yeah. need you to give me a, a read here on Pitt Wake Forest i don't see and we don't have to take too long on it but i don't see any way Pitt slows him down enough to or Wake Forest slows him down an, uh, enough to win i think Kenny Pickett goes on a, a little Heisman showcase on Saturday night
0: I could see that that is without a doubt, one of the more likely outcomes, but Pitt could pit this and make this hard. And that's the problem is like, you get out there, you make a couple mistakes, offensive line has a couple of penalties, you know, you're a little bit too jacked up and you know, maybe you trip over yourself and you just let wake hang around. And the problem is because the demon Deacons can score so quickly that even a really good game plan, and I think Pat Narduzzi, very good defensive coach. He's going to have a good game plan for them to be able to cause some problems for Sam Hartman, but ultimately I, I like, it's too many daggone points for a conference championship game, okay? It's mm-hmm. too many points for a stadium where I think there are allergens in the end zone, okay? Bank of America Stadium you watching Carolina Panthers this year, Trey? Because I have been what, watching think- a little bit <laughs> I think there's allergens in the end zone. Nobody wants to go in the end zone in that in that game. This is really going to test it. But just general general bubble, like these two teams, Pitt had last in the ACC championship game in 2018, Wake last in the ACC championship game in 2006. Neither of these ones are, are like show up and know exactly what to do, go through the motions. This is what we do in the championship game. So I'm expecting it to be sloppy. I'm expecting it to be some bubble guts. And I think you're right because Kenny Pickett could win the Heisman with this performance, I said win the Heisman. Of course, wow. it depends on what happens earlier in the day with Bryce Young. But if Kenny Pickett goes out there and throws like 400 yards, five touchdowns and a shootout win, and Bryce Young is eaten alive by Georgia's defense, then you know, voters are really going to be looking at him. You know, The only other uh, quarterbacks to throw for, let's see, 40 touchdowns and I think 4,000 yards in ACC history are Jameis Winston and Deshaun Watson. You know, like he's, he's just putting his name up there with like Jameis Winston, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, in terms of all these ACC records. And hello, there's like Heisman winners and a Heisman runner up, a two-time Heisman runner up that you're being stacked alongside. Pitt has the best quarterback, best offensive player. Pitt has the best defensive players of OCA Dennis, but I think Wake gets theirs uh, eventually. It's going to be a really, really close game. I agree with you. Pitt probably wins, but don't let Wake hang around. Because they've won a lot of close games this year, they are more than happy playing in that kind of contest.
1: Will that stadium be full? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's
0: a good question. Well, Wake will bring it because okay. Uh, okay. So the largest collection of Wake Forest alumni, living alumni, see the largest collection of Wake Forest living alumni. Last I checked, was the Belk Bowl against Texas A and M. Like not a class reunion, not you know like anything that happened on campus, but the one time when Wake Forest University gathered its largest collection of living alumni was the Belk Bowl in the stadium against Texas a and m The one before it was the Orange Bowl in 2006 against Louisville after they uh, won the ACC. So Wake's gonna do its best to fill that stadium and they're probably going to do it with the largest largest collection of living alumni that that, uh, that small but graceful school uh, can put out there
1: graceful i love that all right saturday night we're not going to talk cal usc so this is our last one it's michigan iowa playoff bid on the line for michigan i don't know why Iowa was here but I, I guess good for them michigan is an 11 point favorite feels like a lot but i think they're the best team against the spread in college football you got some angles here you've got like iowa can turn you over so mcnamara has to take care of the football you've got iowa's quarterback rotation has been a mess you've got uh, the the hangover element for Michigan coming off the game that we talked about kind of with Oklahoma State. But all that said, I'm going Michigan and I'm going Michigan covering. I'm, I'd be curious to know uh, where you stand.
0: How many points is Iowa going to score in this game? So if you're going right. to tell me Michigan, I'm going to believe it. If you tell me under, I'm going to believe it. Like Michigan could come out and really like find itself in trouble because of mistakes and a little bit of the hangover factor early, 100%. But over the course of 60 minutes, Iowa's just not going to score enough points to win this football game. And so uh, here's here's the stat for you. Iowa allowed the second most sacks in the Big Ten. Only Northwestern allowed more sacks this season, and that was by one. So the team that allowed the second most sacks in the Big 10 is going up against Aiden Hutchinson and David Jabo and Hutchinson is playing with his hair on fire right mm-hmm. now. He wants ne- part of
1: the Heisman. He wants part of the Heisman discussion.
0: If you want to talk about playing when the lights are the brightest, he is third in the nation with 13 sacks and six of them have come in the last three games, three against Penn state, three against Ohio state. So that's like, if he continues with that kind of path, then I think it's a problem. So I like Michigan to win and cover. And also like the under all of it from the idea that even if Michigan makes it hard on itself,
1: I just don't know how many points Iowa scores. It's going to be a great weekend, man. I can't wait. Uh, Chip Patterson. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Y'all be well. Thanks to Chip Patterson for joining us. Go listen to the Cover 3 podcast. It's in your feed somewhere, probably on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow him on Twitter at Chip underscore. Patterson does a great job with CBS Sports. Just, uh, it was really, it was, again, 30 minutes. he just done a CBS Sports HQ hit. So really nice of him to, to spend all that time with us. Our producers, Lance Glenn, does a great job with his podcast and all the other podcasts across the 24-7 Sports Network. They've been doing emergency podcasts like every night on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast feed. So go check that out and give them a listen as well. My name is Trey Scott. Have a fantastic weekend of college football and enjoy the Sunday selection show we'll be back on monday with all of the reaction you could ever hope for on the college football daily should you ever set
0: foot outside of the motel you will be shot don't miss the new showtime limited
1: series based on the international bestseller